0: Hey, what's up Miami Dolphins fans? This is Riley from Fin it to Win it. We're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you all after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Zlatan to Messi to Rapino and many more. Episodes will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So, stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal: Stories of Soccer Legends wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So, for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Close to the end zone.
2: Zone is Eric Rowe for the touchdown? Play fake, throws it. There he is,
0: leggings, and it's a big man touchdown in Miami. What is up? Welcome in, Miami Dolphins fans, to another episode of Fin it to Win it, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and Bet Online. I'm Riley. He's Mason. As always, guys, you can interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Fin it to Win it. We have a special episode for you guys tonight because over the past couple months, we really have dove into the depth chart. We've talked about practically every player on the Miami Dolphins' current roster. Last episode, we broke down our position groups by rankings, weakest to strongest. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a lot of these players that we broke down over the last couple months in our off-season report card for the Miami Dolphins. Basically, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be breaking this down into categories. We're going to be talking best move, underrated moves, best draft pick, value picks, questionable moves, and position groups. And then to wrap it all up, we're going to give our overall grade. So a lot of great content on the way for you guys here in this episode of Fin It to Win It. But before we get into that, Mason, there's a ton of stuff that fans need to know and get involved in here at Fin It to Win It over the next few days.
1: As always, Raleigh, we're trying to give back to the fans. We're doing some fun things here at Finnit to Win It. Our second round of our trivia contest is underway. We posted on social media the trivia question. We had a lot of responses from that. Here in the next few days, we will pick two random correct answers for people who not only answered it correctly, but retweeted or shared the post and, of course, follow Finnit to Win It. So those two people will be going against each other in round two of our trivia matchup. Which will all be played on a Finnit's episode. And then, of course, what do we have coming up? It's Friday, baby. It's Finn's up, up Friday. Ends Up Friday. That's right. Can't wait to hear your intro for that, like always, Riley. It's the favorite part of my week.
0: Yeah. And as always, you can call our hotline at 804 905 8226. Leave a message. We'll play it live on the show and give our response. Or you can comment on Facebook or Twitter at it, to Win it with your comment or question as well. So a lot of ways to get in touch with the show. A lot of ways to interact and get involved with us here at it, to Win it. But we have a lot to get to tonight, Mason. So let's not waste any more time. Let's dive right into it. We're going to split this up into seven categories, like I mentioned. And we're going to start it off with best move. I'll go first because I feel like when you talk about an off-season report card and you're talking about the best move, you have to start with the future of your franchise drafting Tua Tungoviloa out of Alabama, I feel like that's where the conversation has to start, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean it starts there, but you, you literally so you're going with that for your answer. The easiest possible choice for that.
0: I mean, you don't want to get cute and fancy with it. It's the best move. The best overall move the team made. I mean, look at this, Mason. In the past twenty years, how many quarterbacks have the Dolphins gone through? Too uh, many to count. Yeah. Don't just don't even <laughs> don't even try to make a guess. But There hasn't been this much excitement around the Miami Dolphins organization at the quarterback position or in general in the past 20 years. I mean, since Dan Marino retired, when's the last time that you've gone through an offseason and the Miami Dolphins were one of the hottest, most talked about teams in the entire league?
1: Riley, I remember you buying a John Beck jersey. So let's not get ahead of yourself there. (laughs)
0: Stop it. That's slander, sir. That is (laughs) slander. It was a Ray Lucas jersey. By the way, he he was on the fish tank um, earlier this week, and he was a great interview. If you guys want to check out the fish tank, they did an interview with Ray Lucas. It was actually really fascinating. He's a great interview. But I digress, because bringing in Tua, you literally inject life into your franchise, a franchise that, quite frankly, hasn't had a lot of energy around it in a very long time. And if you think about it this way, if they take somebody else at number five— Justin Herbert, one of the offensive linemen. Are we really that excited about the Miami Dolphins? Are we getting the type of buzz from the major media outlets that are covering the NFL? Are they talking about the Miami Dolphins like they are right now? Are we going to have the quarterback with the top-selling jersey in the entire league? Does any of that happen if we don't bring in Tua?
1: No, you know, listen, when you're right, you're right, Riley. I'm just ruffling your feathers a little bit, rattling your cage, Of course, the the best move the Dolphins made all offseason was going out and drafting Tua. Leading up to the draft, there was a lot of rumors. Will the Dolphins even do the unthinkable and trade up to get an offensive tackle, which we were sweating bullets. We didn't quite believe that move, but we were still sweating bullets nonetheless. But yeah, I mean, you're right. The best move for the offseason grades for the Dolphins has to be going out and drafting our future quarterback, the most exciting prospect the Dolphins have had in decades decades that's plural there but if you're gonna go a little bit off the beaten path for me i knew you're gonna put two o'reilly i just knew it and i knew you were gonna go first with this so i didn't want to have the same exact player as you but if i'm gonna go a little bit deeper not a ton deeper because we did pay this guy 51 million dollars 30 of 30 million of that is guaranteed yeah we I'm went deep into with, the pockets there you go deep into the pockets And the Dolphins had very deep pockets this offseason, and they did use pretty much most of that money in those pockets. But I'm going to go with Kyle Van Noy. His length, his inside-outside versatility, his leadership, what he's going to do to help this defense not only as a linebacker but as an edge rusher for a defense that sorely missed that rushing capability to get to the quarterback last year. He's going to be a breath of fresh air. Um, did they overpay Kyle Van Noy? I don't think they did. I mean, listen, today's NFL, Patrick Mahomes just got offered, uh, not offered, Patrick Mahomes just signed a huge contract with the Chiefs. Half a billion dollars may seem crazy, which it does, but you know what? This is the NFL that we're becoming. These players are getting paid. So Kyle Van Noy, $51 million, but he does a ton of things very well. He's going to be a leader in that locker room. If I don't go with Tua for this. My best move is going to be Kyle Van Noy because, like Tua, who's eventually going to be a leader for that offense, Kyle Van Noy is going to be a leader for that defense.
0: And quite frankly, I think it's the direction you should go. I mean, obviously, Tua is the headliner for obvious reasons, but Kyle Van Noy is that move that just makes so much sense. And I think that's why this marriage with Kyle Van Noy and the Miami Dolphins, specifically Brian Flores, it's why it's just, you know, you pay him $51 million. Did you overspend a little bit? maybe, but you have so much, you had so much room in your salary cap, you have the luxury of being able to overspend for a guy that you know will come in and contribute. He's played well under this Brian Flores system, had his career high in tackles under Brian Flores, used as a hybrid linebacker. We talked about this in our free agent rankings, Mason. Kyle Van Noy is just that guy you can put all over the football field. You can rush him off the edge, drop him back into coverage, He's really just that guy you can rely on that you don't have to bring on and off the field, depending on the situation. He's someone that's going to be out there, a leader, bringing that winning culture. uh, And it's just a perfect fit with Brian Flores and uh, Josh Boyer also coming over from the Patriots. So let's go ahead and move on. We're talking about underrated move. And Mason, I'm going to let you go first for this one. What was your most underrated move, under the radar move for the Dolphins uh, this offseason?
1: So for me, for the most underrated move, the first thing that popped up was Matt Breida. Trading for Matt Breida in the draft. I think this is going to go down as one of the best moves the Dolphins made in the offseason because we were at a point in the draft when we went to... I knew you'd go there. (laughs) 153rd pick, 153rd selection. The Dolphins took that and they got Matt Breida. It was essentially kind of like a trade for Kenyon Drake because the pick they traded away... For Matt Breida was the pick that the Dolphins got from the Cardinals, so it's kind of like they traded uh, Drake for Breida, which I mentioned this before earlier on in an episode. Drake wasn't coming back, you know. The writing was on the wall. He wasn't happy with how he was being utilized. So to swap Matt Breida for Kenyon Drake, we're going to take that as a positive. But this was a huge move. Um, you laugh when I brought this up because you knew my because frustration. Because I know
0: if this trade didn't happen, Mason yeah. just. Having to deal with you, you would have been so salty for weeks, maybe even months, maybe even to this day, oh, yeah. if they didn't somehow address the I would, running back position I would have more still, in the draft.
1: I would have still been salty because you're right. The Dolphins, they passed up on a lot of young, talented backs. You know, Flores and Greer, we've mentioned this, they have their plan in place. They did not want to go for those skill position players in this draft, even with all those draft picks. They really. Built up their trenches on offense and defense. So when they kept passing on those running backs, yes, I was frustrated as many Dolphin fans were. But the fact they made this trade, the fact they made this trade shows that they know they need someone else in that backfield handling the responsibilities with Jordan Howard, Matt Breida. He's someone who averaged 5.1 yards per carry during the 49ers' run to the Super Bowl. That was sixth best in the NFL. Like Jordan Howard, Matt Breida loves contact too. I mean, Matt Breida. 2.85 yards after contact. We talked about Jordan Howard. He was just under a shade of three yards after contact. So even though Matt Breed is very electric, he can still handle a hit as well. He's going to be great out of the backfield. They're going to move him around in this offense. He's going to really open up things in this offense. So having him out there, making that trade, I think that is a really underrated move in the grand scheme of things. He may not be the opening day starter in the backfield, but he's going to have a very high amount of carries and catches to share that backfield with Jordan Howard.
0: Yeah, he just brings that explosive factor that we were just missing up until that point coming out of the backfield. And it kind of plays well with my underrated move. And if you follow the show, this is probably going to be no surprise to you. But I've said it kind of throughout the offseason that I I think Jordan Howard is the most underrated move the team made this offseason. He was our number three overall uh, rated free agent signing behind Byron Jones and Kyle Van Noy, and you bring him in on a very team-friendly contract, two years, $10 million, but what he brings to your football team between the tackles in this Chan Gailey offense, and I've talked about this over and over, look at the running backs that Chan Gailey has had success with in his previous stops. You look at a guy like Chris Ivory. They remind me very similar in their skill sets, you know, tough between the lanes, keeps a good low pad level, looks for contact, Um, on the football field kind of reminds me of what Chris Ivory did. And I don't think anyone, you know, they hear the name Chris Ivory and they think, oh, wow, this guy is an absolute stud running back. But in his one year with Chan Gailey in New York, turned him into a Pro Bowler. Over a 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. Chris Ivory was a Pro Bowler that year. Chan Gailey, with his running backs, has been very successful in his previous stops. So bringing in a guy like Jordan Howard with a revamped offensive line and then a compliment running back, Like Matt Breida, I think that they made some major upgrades in the running game, which they needed to, obviously, this offseason. So I think Jordan Howard, if he can stay healthy, is going to be a nice consistent between the tackles runner that the Miami Dolphins desperately needed uh, up until this point.
1: Consistency, Riley. That's a huge keyword word there for Jordan Howard. Since 2016, he has the third most rushing yards and the seventh most rushing touchdowns in the NFL. Makes him one of just five players to rush for at least six scores in the past four seasons. The Dolphins. There's going to be times this season in games, and halves, and in certain drives, they're going to have to lean on Jordan Howard a lot. So to have him in the backfield, healthy with Matt Breida, it's going to be a great pair. You mentioned the contract. Spoiler alert, I'm actually going to be mentioning uh, Jordan Howard's contract later on for another category for this, but two years, $10 million, it's a great deal, a bargain deal for someone of Jordan Howard's caliber when he is healthy. So if he can stay healthy, it's a heck of a move.
0: All right, so obviously Mason and I were huge fans of the moves the team made at running back Matt Breida, Jordan Howard coming in as the team's most underrated moves this offseason. We're going to move to number three, the best draft pick the Miami Dolphins made, not named Tua. So we're not going to give the easy answer here. But before we do, let's go to a quick read from Bet Online, Guys, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, BetOnline.ag. Mason, why don't you tell the people more?
1: Sports Riley, they are slowly making their way back. I actually just put some golf bets in for the tournament coming up this week. And you know, Bet Online, they're leading the way with the best odds and lines for all sports out there UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches, just to name a few. And if you need even more, they have the simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live. On their website, if you're looking for something else other than sports, Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So visit BetOnline.ag and use that promo code BlueWire for a free welcome bonus. That's one word: BlueWire. Bet Online, your online wagering experts.
0: All right, so we're talking best draft pick, not named Tua Mason. I'm gonna let you go first here because pull back the curtains a little bit. I filled out my list before you did and you straight up copied me on this answer. So I actually picked somebody different. So I'm going to let you have this one. I'm going to be a gentleman and let you go first. Who was the best draft pick? The dolphins may not name well,
1: well, Riley, what if I told you I changed my answer? What, what if, what if, well, I, you can't because I, I changed mine. What if, what if I'm pulling a little, uh, double fake on you? A little Marino fake spike action. going on? So we're on each going
0: to give a name. That's not our number one. No, no, no. I wouldn't Dude, do you've that. been a big Robert Hunt guy this entire time since he was drafted. So that's why I gave him to you.
1: Yeah. well, but, but you know what? I did kind of think about the. We've talked about this. When we broke down the secondary and when we talked um, last week, or excuse me, when we talked a few days ago um, about ranking the, different positional groups you know yeah. noah noah igbenogany is a guy that i keep watching and i keep liking the more and more i watch film on him but i did not pick him for this pick you mentioned it i'm a big robert hunt guy uh when they drafted him i was really excited 39th overall he has great versatility uh, mostly played guard does have some right tackle experience. You got to think that the Dolphins are going to groom him for that right tackle position. He's going to open up massive lanes in the running game for this line. And we know how bad the offensive line was last year. Second lowest pressure percentage allowed of 380 offensive tackles tracked by Pro Football Focus. He's six five. He's 325. He's got a six foot ten wingspan. Eleven inch hands. Man, this guy is a people mover. He's going to have a battle in camp early on, probably going to have to battle with Michael Dieter for that right guard spot. But like I mentioned, right tackle's probably where he's going to end up playing. But I like Robert Hunt a lot. I like his attitude. I like his personality. He's going to be a great fit. And I hope he can make great strides early on because I can see him being one of the young leaders that this team needs on the offensive line just because of that vibrant personality he has. So it was a tough pick. Even though I like Robert Hunt a lot, I looked at a few other positions carefully, not named two, of course, but at the end of the day, Robert Hunt has to be my favorite pick. You and
0: I think too much alike sometimes. It's a little scary because my guy was Noah Igbenagany that I went to after I saw that you put Robert Hunt. But since you mentioned Robert Hunt, I do think a very likely scenario. I mean, the Dolphins have been reported to have said that they're going to give Robert Hunt every opportunity to win that right tackle spot. So he's going to be going up against Jesse Davis, and Jesse Davis, Mason, has some experience at guard as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if, at least at the beginning of the season, they're going to throw Robert Hunt out there, see if he can handle that right tackle spot. And I wouldn't be surprised if they bumped Jesse Davis to right guard, even over Michael Dieter. I know we talked a lot about Michael Dieter you know, competing for that right guard spot, but he's going to have to deal with the loser of the battle between Robert Hunt and Jesse Davis. And quite frankly, I think the loser of that battle is probably who you're going to see at right guard. So I thought that was interesting that you brought that up.
1: Yeah, there's going to be a ton of uh, training camp battles going on. Jesse Davis. Yeah. That's some guy you mentioned. He was one of the few Dolphins players who have a shot to start this season, who actually played A majority of the time last year because there's gonna be a lot of new faces on this line but yeah there's gonna be a ton of battles in there and i mean robert hunt's gonna have a great shot at right guard or right tackle to start the year
0: so yeah i switched mine to noah engbenogany and we are actually talking to ian uh who we had on at a fins up friday and we asked him who his favorite draft pick was and he mentioned noah Ingbenagani and it makes sense i know mason you and i have talked on this show when the draft pick first came in we were a little taken back because we were not expecting a cornerback to come off the board to the dolphins but Obviously, that's what happened. And when you look into Ingbenagini and his skill set and just all the different variables and factors he brings to the football field, it just makes so much sense. He is a Brian Flores type of player. He is an alpha, highly competitive, and he's an athletic freak. Now, he's pretty raw technically uh, because he's only played cornerback for the last two seasons. He was actually recruited as a wide receiver. So if you look at his stats, they're not going to jump off the page at you. You know, only one interception in his entire career at Auburn but he was one of those put him on an island type of cornerbacks and you can rely on him to take the top wide receiver of the other team out for the entire game and they're not going to throw it to him and another factor that I like that Ing brings is he likes to play up on the line of scrimmage and really help out in the running game and sometimes with cornerbacks that's a very hit or miss type of thing but he looks for content he is a physical cornerback so he can help out a lot in the running game as well. Uh, So that's why I had Igmanagany as my, I guess my 1B to Robert Hunt's 1A. But I want to ask you before we move on. So you and I are obviously really big on Robert Hunt uh, for obvious reasons, but he was the second offensive lineman taken. You know, we were obviously not having Tua in this conversation for the best draft pick. We excluded him from the conversation, but why for you did you choose Robert Hunt over Austin Jackson, who was actually our first uh, offensive lineman
1: taken? I don't – and, you know, it's nothing against – it's not a slight against Austin Jackson because I think he has potential and I think he could be a very solid uh, tackle for this team. I mean, he, right, as of now, he's probably projected as an opening day starter. We better he's hope he be, is yeah. going into camp. Yeah, he's got to be. But, yeah, it's it's really nothing against Austin Jackson. It's just more of how much I, I like Robert Hunt. Um, I, think, I think a lot of people, the jury is still out on him. Uh, they want to see how he can transition – from college to the NFL, but there's a lot of good things to like about Austin Jackson. He had a lot of good experience at USC starting. He played fairly well for the most part, but yeah, I mean, I think it just is a Testament to how much I like Robert hunt.
0: Yeah. I think the one thing, if you're going to knock the dolphins for their draft strategy, it's that they got a lot of guys that physically are very talented, but they are very raw in terms of their polish in terms of readiness to you know, be on the football field day one In Austin Jackson, you look at him, technically he has a lot of growth in his game that needs to happen, but the situation is not going to allow him to kind of sit back in the wings and learn and get ready for the NFL game. He's going to be out there. He has to be out there. Week one is the left tackle. I just don't see any other option because if you invest the 18th overall pick in a left tackle and he's being beaten out by Julian Davenport, no disrespect to Julian Davenport, but, If he can't beat out Julian Davenport in camp, that's already, in my opinion, a botch with your first-round pick. You need a guy that's going to come in and be able to play week number one. So I think whether he's ready or not, quite frankly, they're just going to have to throw him out there and hope for the best.
1: And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer or anything because I know there's a lot of optimism coming from the Dolphins fan base and pretty much everybody around the NFL, too. There's a lot of sports writers and analysts who really like what the Dolphins have done, and so do I and so do you. But when you draft a ton of raw talent in players or you you sign free agents who don't have a ton of consistency in the NFL but the upside is there, that really shows you that you're truly in the rebuilding process. Now, I don't think anybody out there is going to say, oh, the Dolphins, they're Super Bowl contenders this year. And, and I'm sorry, but if you think the Dolphins are Super Bowl contenders this year, you're crazy. I mean – I hope they are. I mean, I pray to God every year the Dolphins can make a Super Bowl run, but they're in a position right now where they're in year two of three or four of a rebuild, and this offseason's plan for the rebuild was go out and get huge guys who can protect the line and, and co and who can rush the quarterback. And so far, they did a pretty good job of that. Now, will it be successful? We'll see. But when you get guys like Austin Jackson, or when you get guys like Shaq Lawson, who don't have either a ton of time playing on the field, or they have big upside, but they maybe haven't shown it yet consistently, that just shows that they know they're still a year or two away from being a complete team.
0: Yeah, and I think you know the rumors are that the preseason just isn't going to happen at all. And usually I, agree with I really, that. usually I really wouldn't care. But I think for the Miami Dolphins situation, you're going to want at least a couple of opportunities for guys to go out there, whether they're trying to make the squad or all of these new faces. I mean, you know, we did it. We talked about this in our position breakdowns. Like there are so many new faces, especially in the trenches on the offensive line and defensive line. If you're throwing them out there week one with really, you know, maybe a couple scrimmages with other teams, but no real game action. It's going to take a while for this to really gel and see if it actually works because through the draft, through free agency, it's a lot of new faces, a lot of new players coming in that you're going to be expecting to start for your team. So, obviously, that's to be expected in a rebuild process. But, you know, when it comes to expectations, especially early in the year, that's something that you have to keep in the back of your mind and you have to consider. Like, we're going to be throwing these guys out there week one, four, possibly five new starters on the offensive line you can't expect them to just be ready to roll and know each other's tendencies and have that chemistry with offensive lines that have worked together for multiple years. It's just, it's, it takes time. And it quite frankly takes reps, which this team won't have the opportunity to do. I don't want to go on a rant there, but you know, you bring up good points with that as well.
1: No. And and you're right, Riley, this is a year the dolphins could have really used four preseason games. We had a poll about a month ago or so where we were like, would you prefer two or four preseason games? I was shocked by how many votes we had for two preseason games i get it we don't want to get players injured but as dolphin fans voting for this i personally want four preseason games this is a team as you mentioned that doesn't have a ton of playing time together there's a lot of young talent there's a lot of rookies on this team they need yeah. their reps and with the offseason being in the gray area we don't know how much they're going to be together as day by day passes there's more you know, bad news about possibly no preseason now and who knows what's going to happen as we bleed into the regular season. I mean, this is a team that really needs a lot of extra time together. So this is a year I strongly believe the Dolphins could have really benefited from four preseason games. If it went down to two, that that would probably be okay. But if there's no preseason, it's going to be really interesting. That's going to change a lot for how this team might do if the regular season starts as scheduled.
0: So you took an interesting angle here when we put down the category of best value. So like I went straight to the draft with my pick, but sure. you kind of took a different angle to it and you mentioned it earlier. So why don't we talk? A, why don't we go ahead and talk about Jordan Howard and his contract situation? Why you think yeah. that's the best value?
1: So, you know, obviously the word value can mean several different things. It can mean draft value, but it could also mean value for a player. And yeah, I mentioned a few minutes ago, Uh, Jordan Howard's contract, I mean, two years, $10 million. And I mentioned these stats since 2016. He has the third most rushing yards, seventh most rushing touchdowns in the NFL. And for the Dolphins, a team that was horrible, abysmal at running the ball and especially scoring running the ball, this is someone who's going to really, really crank those stats up for the Dolphins next season, hopefully. That's the goal, obviously. But he's someone who's not afraid of contact. He can catch the ball solid out of the backfield he can do a lot of things very well and 2 years 10 million dollars i think that's a steal that is a great bargain so yeah so best value i did take it a, a little bit differently but for me his contract fantastic
0: yeah it's obviously a very team friendly deal you're getting a guy that when he's on the field he produces very consistently i mean you went through the numbers but you know it's a 2 year deal if for some reason he doesn't work out, if Brita doesn't work out, it's a contract year for Brita, by the way. So this is a big year for him. If one of those guys doesn't work out, it's a very strong running back class coming up in 2021 wide receiver class as well. So look for the dolphins. I think, you know, people were a little surprised maybe that they didn't go skill position pretty much at all throughout the draft this year, but next year, I think it's going to be a different story. I think this year they built in the trenches next year, They're going to really add some speed and uh, skill position players in the draft. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So when I was looking at best value, Mason, I went to the draft. And like I said, for my Jordan Howard pick, if you follow the show, you probably are sick and tired of hearing me talk about Curtis Weaver because I just can't help it. I mean, when you talk about best value and you get a guy that most draft analysts had as a top 60, 80 to 100 player. You know that's the first what three rounds, and you get him with the hundred and what sixty fourth pick in the fifth round. That's a steal. I'm sorry. I mean, PFF had Weaver ranked as their twenty sixth, twenty sixth overall prospect heading into the draft because of just what he did during his career at Boise State. He's the Mountain West all time leader in sacks. He was the defensive player of the year in the conference last year. He finished his career with 128 tackles, 34 sacks, two picks, three forced fumbles. He wasn't just an edge rusher. He would drop back into coverage. Um, He would play, you know, kind of that Kyle Van Noy type of hybrid linebacker position. So when you pair him with Kyle Van Noy, I think that is a perfect situation. A lot like, you know, Fitzpatrick with Tua. You have this veteran that has had success in the system that he's playing in. You know, Van Noy with Flores and then Fitzpatrick with Chan Gailey. And then you bring in this young, extremely talented prospect I just think it's a perfect situation for Curtis Weaver, and then the value you got him just puts it over the top for me.
1: No, I mean I, I agree hundred percent. Even though you you have sang his praises for almost every episode uh, dealing with the defense. I tell you what, um, man,
0: he better perform and
1: not make yeah, me look bad. I, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: don't worry, something else will I've come. I've invested a something lot. Something else will come on the way. I've invested to make you look a bad lot of more. cred
0: into Curtis Weaver, so he cannot let me down. <laughs>
1: But you really do bring up a good point. The whole mentor um, angle is a good one with Kyle Van Noy and Curtis Weaver because Curtis Weaver will be used similarly to Kyle Van Noy. Curtis Weaver probably won't get the playing time starting off the season as Kyle Van Noy will, but he still will need to learn from someone who can really master that ability to go to different spots on the defense and do them both very well. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of things. I like, um, about Curtis Weaver. And I think Riley, you, you summarized it very well. So Riley, let's move on to the next one. I'm going to let you go first. You've been, you've been a gentleman tonight for some odd reason. So I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. You've been letting me go first a lot. And to be honest with you, I can't even remember what you put down for this next category. So this will be kind of a surprise to me, but the next category is questionable moves. So this is a move. Obviously the dolphins went out and made that might, Have you raise your eyebrows a little bit? It might make you say, I don't know if that was the best move. So Riley, what questionable move do you feel like the Dolphins made this offseason that popped in your head first? So
0: I stuck with the draft here and I went with safety Brandon Jones out of Texas. And there's a couple of reasons for it. One, maybe I was biased going into the draft. Like I I was dead set. I wanted the Dolphins in the first round or two to take a safety. You know this. I mean, when we did our draft preview, I was beating the table just saying Grant Delpit, Xavier McKinney, Ashton Davis, Antoine Winfield Jr. One of those guys, we got to get one of them because we are not sold here on Finnet to Win It at the free safety spot. I think Bobby McCain is a fine player. I think he's more suited as the nickel cornerback, You know, bringing him in in sub packages, but I'm not sure that he's capable physically of being your full-time starter at free safety. So I wanted them to go out and get one of those guys. And Xavier McKinney was there for the taking, and they passed on him. Grant Delpit was there for the taking. They passed on him. And then they get their safety in the third round with Brandon Jones, who is a fine player, but I'm not really sure he's much of an upgrade over what you're going to get from Bobby McCain. I mean, he's just as undersized as Bobby McCain. They have a very similar body type. He's a little bit bigger than McCain, but not by much. And McCain's strength, you know, obviously he's in coverage, being a cornerback. That's where Brandon Jones struggles. And at the free safety position, you need a guy that can stick with receivers and tight ends. Um, He just has trouble sticking with receivers and man coverage, and he struggles with, you know, receivers in the top line speed. So quick, fast guys over the middle, that's going to be a concern when he's having to help out in coverage. So he's one of those guys. He likes to play physical. He plays bigger than what his size is. He likes to get up in the box. So I do like that aspect of his game. I just worry about his athletic capability of being able to stick with NFL caliber receivers and tight ends on the football field.
1: It's interesting how our bias sometimes uh, rings true to some of these uh, report card offseason grades because, yeah, of course, you wanted the safety early on. You didn't get it. So you think back to that and you say, well, yeah, it was questionable they didn't draft a safety earlier. I do agree with you, though. Um, you know, Brandon Jones, he is going to be more of a project like several other Dolphins draft picks and offseason signings. Um, there are some things to like about him, but I feel like special teams is probably going to be the way he starts out. Bobby McCain's injury history, Bobby McCain's inability to do certain things that a free safety needs to, uh, you know, size is something he can't help. But, yeah, his size comes into play as well. Um, you know, if those things kind of go south for Bobby McCain, who is going to be owed a little bit, a lot of money, not a little bit of money, a lot of money. In the next year or two. I mean, Brandon Jones could be thrusted in that starting position sooner than later, but I, I see where you're going with that for a questionable move. So you said you were kind of sticking with the draft for your theme. Well, this next one kind of sticks with my theme with contracts. Um, my questionable move is going to be Shaq Lawson. Now, don't get this confused. Don't cross the wires. I don't think Shaq Lawson is a bad offseason signing. The Dolphins had to get edge rushers for this defense uh the fact they could barely get any sacks the entire season bringing in just body a body in general is good enough for me there are a lot of things to like about Shaq Lawson but one thing I don't like is the price tag uh three-year contract 30 million dollars and 21 million of that is virtually guaranteed Uh, that's a lot of guaranteed money for Shaq Lawson and that's a lot of guaranteed money for someone who didn't even play 50 percent of the Bills' defensive snaps. Last season, Pro Football Focus had him as the 50th ranked edge player last season. I mean, that doesn't really get you too excited. Uh, Two years ago, he was the 19th, so that's kind of nice to see top 22 years ago. So the contract for me, kind of like Jordan Howard, is a very team-friendly contract. The contract for me for Shaq Lawson, I think it's a little bit questionable, the price tag they're giving him. He has been very vocal about how he feels like his best days are ahead of him, which is nice to hear. I think any player would advocate that for himself. But it is nice to hear him just be vocal about the fact that he didn't get a lot of time playing in Buffalo. He feels like he's got a lot of juice left. He's got a lot to prove. And I do like his attitude. You know, there was a – I forget who it was, but I believe for the Broncos, he kind of they had like a verbal spat at the end of a game. I mean, you like that. I mean, we like guys with that attitude for the Dolphins. They need a lot of that a good attitude. So there are things I like about Shaq Lawson, but the fact that he hasn't gotten a ton of playing time, the fact that his contract is, is on the higher end. And, you know, listen, I mean, for decades, the dolphins have dealt in mediocrity, uh, below average seasons, and also signing players to way too much money. You know, you think about Philip Wheeler, Ellerby, there's tons of guys on both sides of the ball who the dolphins have reached deep in their pockets for who never really did anything for the team overall. Not saying Shaq Lawson should be in that category at all because he shouldn't, that would be unfair. Unfortunately, though, you start to think about those things as time goes on. So, Shaq Lawson is my questionable move. I don't think it's a questionable move with an exclamation point, but I think it should be noted.
0: All right, so let's go ahead and move on. We're going to talk position group that is most improved. So, in our last episode, if you haven't listened to it, go back Fin it to win it, any major podcast platform. Check it out. We ranked our position groups from weakest to strongest. So let's talk about the position group, in our opinion, that is the most improved. Not necessarily the best, but the most improved from this offseason. So, Mason, I'm going to let you go first since you copied my answer for this one as well.
1: So, yeah, <laughs> I think that's really the only reason you're letting me go first on some of these, just so you can get that jab out there. But, you know, touche. He's on yet. Yeah, it's it's going to have to be running back. And Riley and I were on the same wavelength with this. Uh, the, we, we This has been a very heavy running back offseason grace. But listen, when Ryan Fitzpatrick is your leading rusher with only 243 yards, you barely get into the end zone. You need to bring in players who are going to help take you to the next level. Jordan Howard, we've talked about him a lot in this episode. Matt Breida, we talked about him a lot on this episode. And listen, Patrick Laird and Kalen Balazs, if they both make the roster, they're not terrible backups to have. They they could be decent change of pace guys. Patrick Laird had some shining moments at the end of last season. We know Kalen Balaj didn't have many at all. So with those running backs, especially the running back duo in Howard and Brita. I really think the Dolphins, we're going to see a much stronger running attack. We're going to get to see Chan Gailey use them in several different ways because these guys are not just a prototypical one type of runner. They can do many things with the ball, catching it, running it. So, yes, the answer is running back.
0: And I agree with you. That's why I put running back as well. But I'm going to go with my 1B because you stole my answer, so I'm going to be a gentleman and let you go with it. I went with the offensive line, Mason because the team just added so much talent to an offensive line that was quite frankly depleted. And I know that we talked about earlier in this episode where it's going to take time, possibly almost the entire season, for this offensive line to really gel together as one cohesive unit. But I really like the moves that they made. So Ted Karras, he was basically a backup his entire career, but he does come in and play very well after David Andrews goes down for the season for the Patriots last year. He only allowed two sacks all year. And over his last six games, Mason, Karras was PFF's number two ranked pass blocking center. And that's not something that Karras is known for. He's known more more as a run blocking um, offensive lineman. So the fact that he was able to excel in the pass blocking game bodes very well for his prospects being able to start for the Miami Dolphins you also have Dieter who can play center as well but then you bring in Eric Flowers I love the attitude that this guy brings I know coming into the league he was pretty much a disaster at offensive tackle but really revitalized his career at guard played very well with the Redskins last year 33rd overall rated guard by PFF never allowed more than three pressures in a single game and only allowed two sacks all season so I really like the move there and then, obviously, we talked about bringing a Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, and Solomon Kinley in the draft. So you insert a lot of talent into this unit. Yes, it might take a while to kind of piece the puzzle together, who fits where, who plays best next to who. That's going to take some time, and it might take most of this season. But if you can get that figured out and then get Tua in there towards the later part of the season, that's going to bode very well going into 2021 for this team. So, yes, running back. You, I think you're going to see more of an immediate impact, but offensive line, if these pieces fit together, I could see being the most improved position over the course of this year.
1: Hey, Riley, here's an idea. Next time, don't share the uh, document with me. And you Mason, can just, you I can shared spend, it specifically. Send...
0: <laughs> I shared it specifically so you wouldn't write my answers. That's why I shared it
1: just no no no! don't sh- just don't share with me the document you met you uh, comment on or type on it just share with me a blank one or something like that so that way we we don't have to worry about playing this gentleman card because I, I feel like uh you know you were very uh mischievous in many ways during this episode <laughs> letting me go first so then you could put a jab in about oh mason's gonna go first but by oh, the way man. he stole my answer
0: See, I like it. At the beginning of the episode, you were like, oh, you're being such a gentleman, tonight." I don't know what that's all about. Nah, and now you're kind I knew, of slowly I knew catching that was a on rude. to
1: me. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that ended quickly. That ended quickly.
0: <laughs> all right, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. We're going to give our overall grade for all of the Dolphins offseason moves. Mason, I will go first because I've been a gentleman this entire episode, and quite frankly, I'm sick of it, so I'm going first now. I'm going to give them a solid B+. Okay. And I think you can elevate that to an A, depending on how Tua plays if he plays this season. So I like most of the moves that they made. I think you make a great point with the Shaq-Lawson contract, but in terms of what he brings on the field, I do like his versatility in his game, fitting with that Brian Flores defense. So I do like the move in terms of the personnel decision. The contract is what it is, and they had so much money to spend. You know, I'm not that concerned about it. I am still concerned with a few positions on the field, free safety being one of them. Wide receiver, they didn't make any moves. While I like a lot of the players that they have there, uh, they need to stay healthy. So there are some question marks, but in terms of the upgrades that they made, and we talked about it, in the trenches, I think that's where you're going to see the biggest difference and then in the backfield to complement Fitzpatrick or Tua, whoever's behind center. So I think it's a solid B+, um, and I'm going to elevate that to an A. If Tua comes in this year and shows that he's the franchise, that he's the guy, then it's a surefire A. A plus.
1: So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go a similar route, but a little bit lower. I'm going to go with a solid B. Uh, there are many of the moves the Dolphins made this offseason I generally liked. There weren't many that I shook my head at or I disagreed with. But one thing you have to say is the Dolphins did bring in a lot of guys who are either going to be projects or who are guys who are not really that proven for what they've done in their NFL careers. I talked about Shaq Lawson. You can say the same thing about Eric Flowers. He had a, he had a solid year last year in Washington, but he just switched to the guard spot for his first year. So if he plays guard for the Dolphins, it's going to only be his second primarily year in the NFL playing the guard position. So that's kind of the trend on what the Dolphins did in the offseason. They brought in a few guys who just aren't super proven throughout their NFL career. But then you look at guys like Kyle Noy. I love that pick. We haven't even mentioned this guy yet, but Byron Jones, I mean, that was a huge pickup. You know, the Dolphins made a lot of good moves If it shows you that we didn't even put Byron Jones on anything pretty much for, for our <laughs> report card. But I'm going to, I'm going to say B solid B right now. And it goes up to a B plus or an A minus depending on how some of these projects work for Miami. But overall, I think we're both in agreement. They did a solid job addressing what they wanted to address this off season next off season. It's going to be very interesting to see what their strategy is going to be. I think we're in agreement next off season. It's mostly going to be targeted towards skill players, but then again, it all depends on how their draft picks and their off season signing do this year. So I love their strategy. I love their commitment to a fault at some times, to really stay away from those skill players in the draft and target the trenches, target the uh, defensive side of the ball. So overall, solid job by Miami. I think they're definitely going in the right direction.
0: It's such a young team, so it's going to be up to Brian Flores and his coaching staff to really coach these players up, get them ready to play. I mean, you're bringing in 11 drafted rookies, what was it, five or six undrafted rookies, and then obviously all the new pieces through free agency. So a lot of new faces, a lot of young players coming into this organization so you're gonna to have to coach these guys up it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big job for Brian Flores to really get the most out of his players but obviously having such a young team throughout the season I'm excited to see how they progress come together as a team and kind of see what the future looks like I mean you're, we're gonna be living through this rebuilding process with Brian Flores so I hope that they get a full training camp if they don't that's you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but that's gonna be concerning. We already talked about the preseason. So a lot of things to be excited about with the offseason moves by the Miami Dolphins. And throughout the course of the next week or two, we're gonna be asking you guys about these different categories on social media at finnit to win it. We want to get your feedback. What is your overall grade? What was your best move? Undervalued or underrated move? Who was the best pick in the draft, not named to us? So we're gonna ask you all of these different categories on Facebook and Twitter at finnit to win it. So Stay locked in on that so you can interact with us here at Finit to Win It. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We're really excited. Tomorrow we're kicking off another Fins Up Friday. If you want to get involved in that, leave a message, call the number 804 905 8226, or leave us a comment or question at Finit to Win It on social media as well. So for Mason, I'm Riley. That's going to do it for this episode of Finit to Win It. As always, everybody, Fins Up.
2: This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. And he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimović's brash confidence with the play to back it up to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair...